Good evening. Welcome to the Daily Mumble. My weight tends to bounce between 90 kilos and 100 and normally I can maintain it sort of around 95, 96 and still eat whatever I want but there are times when it really starts heading up to uh, the triple figures and that's when I know I need to uh, need to take some steps to to redress the issue most of the time simply cutting out snacks for a while during the day is is enough to to get things heading back towards 90 it's a bit scary when you look at the uh, the BMI figures the body mass index I really I really wonder if the uh, BMI figures were written down by someone with uh, incredible incredible issues around being able to assess what a healthy weight actually is because the, uh, the actual target BMI for my height is something like 86 or 87 kilos and for me to me to get to 86 or 87 kilos involves basically a predominantly protein-based diet with almost no carbs at all and working out twice a day for about 40 plus minutes I think this I wonder if they have undercover motorcycle police who ride scooters this guy is just come through the middle is a bit Sus. Interesting. Maybe not. Maybe just. Maybe just a bit sus. But the BMI is. I mean, it's scary. It just seems like an open invitation for an eating disorder. Uh, if you start looking at that as a. Uh, as a target but the scales are a confirmation of what the eye sees in the mirror 
and an indicator at points that it's time to take some drastic action. And I've been thinking around mental health and I think it you know for a lot I think I'm reasonably fortunate with regard to my weight in that it doesn't take a lot basically cut out all snacks and my weight will start dropping to a uh, reasonable number without actually having to combat any of my slothful tendencies. But if you really, um, if doing something that simple doesn't really impact your weight, it can be a tremendous struggle to actually deal with what ends up being a, can be a pretty significant health risk. And I can understand for people for whom it's not so simple, you know, cutting out beer doesn't solve it or, you know, cutting out dessert isn't the answer that it can be incredibly demotivating and discouraging and despairing for um, for them and similarly with mental health I think one of the big keys around mental health is sort of having those, that inventory, that indicator of, hey, where are the scales at for me right now? Where am You know, are they tending towards an unhealthy mental landscape? Or are they sort of at a reasonable range? And that's really important because, you know, I think if, if I, for some reason, you know, changes in metabolism or hormones or whatever suddenly ballooned up to 110 kilos that would be a big issue to deal with and I wouldn't have the tools innately to address it I'd need to get help of whatever nature whether medical whether you know um, 
interventions from specialists with nutrition and everything like that with and with mental health that's I think one of the biggest keys that innately I don't think we have the tools when a problem arises when we're in that you know sort of above the norm outside of the normal range of let's just say the mood spectrum say we when a person tips into a truly depressed state they don't have the tools to innately get themselves out of it and I think that is one of the real misconceptions about mental health because in a lot of ways I think what what we expect of people when they're suffering mental health issues is to have the capability to make rational responses in an abnormal situation and that is a I think that's an unreasonable expectation and it's something that we as a we as a society and as a culture need to need to get out of stuff like are you okay day is great as a tool for awareness I don't think it's actually that useful in any way shape or form as an ability to address mental health because what would I, mean, I don't I have no clue if I asked someone are you okay and they said no it's like okay what do I do now um it's like oh sorry okay great <laughs> Because, and one of the problems is with mental health is that it is not, you know, particularly with depression, it's not simply an aspect of cheer up, or, you know, buck up, come on, let's do it, you know, even things like. going for a walk which is really part of the basic solution and and this is the problem where it is like solutions what it's it's a process and you need sort of healing in that space you need to find the tools and the order of use of them that work and we're not all wired the same we're not all built the same the things that cause this stuff to come out whether it's purely genetic whether it's 
environment, whether it's some combination of the two, they, whatever the solution is, isn't, isn't sort of off the shelf standard order. And there's nothing more annoying and discouraging to people going through it than someone coming out and saying, here, here, this is what you need to do, here's the solution, this is what you're going to do and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be back on track. And it's like, get away from me, just shoot me now with your contentedness. It's like, what... It's like the last last thing you need is people trying to cheer you up. You need friends, absolutely, and please, if you know someone going through depression, hang in there with them, just keep in touch, say, hey man, you good? No? That's cool. I'm just, you know, care for you, care about you, and I'm here. That's all it needs to be. Just sort of keep checking in there's a profound benefit to that and it does people well because depressed people tend to isolate and we may think of isolation as being housebound and not going out okay that's cool like but don't try you don't need to try and drag them out because it can be so difficult to get out when you're going through depression but the biggest isolation is from communication you actually start withdrawing into yourself it's almost like you're part of the difficulty is that your your body almost seems like a uh, an exo suit that you you put on that you wear and it can be quite <laughs> it can you know it, it can be quite difficult you know one of the amazing things about being a creature is that we we move seamlessly in line with our thoughts we don't have to consciously think about muscle control and the specifics of the movements that we make which is incredible you know, I'm, my hand is just going back and forth from the steering wheel to the door and the glass on the door and I'm just constantly going back and back and forth right now and hardly even think, like, not thinking about the movements involved, the perception, you turn your hand around, you waggle your fingers and you're not having to think specifically about the muscle, the muscle movements involved in doing that which is great one of the weird things about depression is as you know I think that was one of the beautiful things about get out in a sense with the this idea of the sunken place was that it is analogous to being in a sunken place you're 
control of your body becomes a lot more rudimentary. It becomes much more challenging. It's almost, it is really like you're operating some paddles to, you know, you're sort of the guy in the suit <laughs> operating these paddles to make the body work. It's requires a lot more thought and effort. to do that. So getting people out of the house, as good as that may sound, particularly for social situations, like if you can sort of find a way to just say, hey, let's just go to the park in the sunshine and, you know, have a chat. You know, so something low, low key, low stress, that can be, that can be beneficial, you know, all the things that people try and do are good, it's just, you're battling against, you know, someone suffering from depression knows, in a sense, that these things are good, once they realise that they're battling depression, it can be confusing, because initially, depression can just seem like a profound form of Cynicism, it can seem like you're really just seeing the world the way it is, like you're seeing through the, uh, you know, all the nonsense. And there is, there is a kind of gloomy incisiveness that can go with the initial stages of depression that's quite cutting and, you know, very accurate. But By and large, a sort of normal. As as that mood state normalizes, people and things that people are committed to become more and more problematic. Whether that's work or study, or just basically the simple mechanics of everyday life, people have an awareness. Oh, I'm depressed. I'm down. But once you're depressed or down, the the basic tools to intervene and address that become, you know, access to them is limited because you're sort of <laughs> feel like you've you've shrunk into your body and you're now just this little person trying to control this giant, you know, giant suit that you're wearing. that's where those early interventions and being able to understand the normal mood state range are really valuable and important and once you've gone through depression and come out of that it can be a lot easier to to understand and sort of monitor that and one of the things is that the sort of recovery through depression and through mental health issues can be a real yo-yo sort of state where you come out and you're back in and it can be quite confusing because I mean this starkness between normal 
everyday mood and existence and depression can be so, it can be such a sharp contrast that you actually can wonder if or think that you're bipolar because a deep, deep, dark depression is so deep, so dark that normality seems like euphoria and mania by comparison. You know, the, the euphoric state of having the energy to do everyday things is a, uh, you know, it's a, I think it's something that we take for granted, but that sort of, what would you say, normal? regular chemical balance of the body it can sort of seem like you're on a you know a wonder, a wonder drug when you come to that place after having been depressed but you know the the thing with depression is that even people who have been depressed can't prescribe to other people what you do to get out of it, it really is hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, keep grinding, stay alive, stay alive, just keep, you know, and it'll be whatever message and motivation works for you, and I think we find profundity where we, where we find it, if it, what the way that someone the sort of ideas and messages and notions that people grab onto as through their healing they might seem completely trite and inane to, to someone else and but the ones that then you grab onto might seem trite and inane to, to that person it really is a case of <laughs> whatever works, whatever gets you through in that stage because it can be really life and death and that that is the profound part not the actual whys and wherefores that keep you hanging on to life one of the key things is a willingness to embrace interventions and by interventions I mean particularly medical interventions whether that is uh, some sort of inpatient treatment at a mental health facility or a hospital you know it If you had a life-threatening physical, like, I don't even know the right word because the problem is that we don't we treat the mind like it's separate from the body, and in a certain way it is. But it's also part of the body, so whatever affects the mind is physical. So if so, we wouldn't blame someone for having a having. A di you know, diabetes and requiring hospitalization 
So we shouldn't blame people for having depression or some sort of other mental health issue and requiring hospitalization. And there's a lot of stigma around that. And even within mental health, you know, uh, people who are, let's call it first person mental health suffering communities. So people who actually suffer from mental health there can be a sort of level of gradation in that of I you know of oh well I'm not I don't need to go inpatient so that's you know and and that's somehow being a, a good thing But, you know, there's levels of resistance. The first level is sort of people just not wanting to try any pharmaceutical intervention. It, I think it is very important to be wise. Uh, the biggest problem is that people with mental health issues, especially ones that are just going to be there, as in... Because that's the other side. Some people are going to have them to a point where they are not going to have prolonged periods of being able to maintain a healthy mental state without ongoing... Basically, it's like having diabetes and requiring your treatment every day and require, you know, some sort of chronic medical condition, and some people have that, some people have chronic heart condition, some people have other things, it's like, okay, this is a chronic mental health condition, great, you need your treatment, and that's, that's the burden that you have to bear, and sort of going in initially, you don't want to wrestle with that because that is a stigma and it is you know a <laughs> it's a diagnosis of okay I'm going to have to deal with this constantly this is just going to be part of it you know and one of the big issues of course is that when people feel better they stop taking the medication, I mean even with antibiotics, they say one of the biggest issues is people don't finish the course, they take it then they start feeling better after a week and they don't take the whole two week course and apparently that's part of building up that's part of the problem of building up and that antibiotic resistance builds up So when people feel better after mental health issues, they stop taking the meds and then they go downhill again. And that's not to say everyone ever needs to be on medication. There are people where medication may be simply an effective intervention to help 
sort of involuntarily get the body to do what it's not doing, which is regulate mood, and then with that occurring, start to put techniques and practices in place that actually work towards the maintenance of mood and of a healthy mental state which can be and you know everything can go with that one of the key things that can be very helpful with a medication and there are so many of them and it all depends what really works for for you what works for the person in question and what works for one person may be completely the wrong thing for another and make them things worse you know um and then and vice versa so there's sort of no silver bullet one one step solution with it it's like you know, often people have to try something go back and say this isn't working and try another thing and go oh, this is all right but I'm having trouble sleeping and then probably you know find what works um, of course and people are reasonably and rationally concerned about ending up on a pharmaceutical cocktail where one thing's to sort of elevate your mood, one thing's to drop your mood, one thing's to help you sleep, one thing's to help you stay awake. Um, and that I think that's pretty rational. There's some real horror stories out there. I think, as in with anything, if you decide to... To, if you are deciding to take action with regard to any health problem, you have to inform yourself and get understanding and find, you know, and it can be really difficult when resources are lacking or distance makes it difficult to access regular care or variety of care. Ideally, find practitioners that you're comfortable dealing with and who are willing to, who have an understanding of mental health conditions. There, I mean, there's some, there are some, because normally what the first point of call is the general practitioner, sort of family doctor kind of deal. And they may have a very limited understanding of mental health and the tools they're given to address things, like the checklists, they may just be so, they may not really have a sense of what things mean, they may not have a sense of how to help you access care, and then realistically you need to weigh up whether you need to go to a different practitioner and then try and find someone where there is a decent standard of, you know, decent awareness and understanding of these issues.
which can be difficult to do when you're actually suffering from mental health issues because often getting to the family you know the regular your regular physician can um, can be a battle in and of itself and then having that experience not be helpful can really be discouraging and the you know sort of dampener on the optimism and courage that you build up just to do that and take that action and people might say oh courage you're being a bit um it's not like you you're being a little bit uh sentimental in your language there it's like no no i actually think that people admitting given the stigma in society and given the battle that is occurring in the mind for someone dealing with mental health issues it is an incredibly courageous act to admit that you have an issue and to seek help and you know ideally we sort of start dealing with mental health issues more like we deal with the idea of physical health which is okay any of us can slip into a bad mental state an unhealthy mental state just like any of us could slip into a unhealthy physical state and sort of just have much more normality around that, around the conversation around it. Um, but until, and I, I get it, it's, you know, I mean, the mind is an intimate place to share what's happening in your mind with someone else. <laughs> it's, I mean, the mind is the center of our being and to have. have exposed that and opened that up for critique even at the best of times is a uh, you know that's an incredibly risky act and I think the challenge is for all of us to be a lot more compassionate around these issues and more compassionate to ourselves and more understanding. I think so much of that mental health treatment is also the inner voice, that self-talk and that can go in a negative direction and a really unhealthy direction. That can be a precursor to an unhealthy mental health state. So, when we create an environment where the idea of having mental health issues is a negative, is internally to ourselves a negative stigma, I mean, we're basically tying our shoelaces together and setting ourselves up to fall flat on our face. 
so I think you know the idea, there's a lot of fear there's a lot of stigma there's a lot of judgment that occurs and that makes it really difficult for people for our culture to actually have those conversations and if sort of being on mental health you know being on being prescribed something for depression I know people biggest problem is that we do yeah it is odd taking an antidepressant it feels strange in your mind um and walk working you know ideally ideally if it were possible and this is the challenge because some people it's just not going to be possible for them not to be on pharmaceutical intervention for their mental health for the rest of their lives and that's okay because it's keeping them alive it's prolonging their life and hopefully if it can you know the, the big challenge is minimizing side effects because some of the side effects are pretty horrific then you, you can start having delusions you can start seeing hallucinating you can become really paranoid you know it can certain interventions can generate incredible anxiety where you know you feel like everyone is looking at you and everyone is talking about you and that's a terrible space to be in walking through the world I mean I have I remember a long time ago I was sitting on a train and some guy came into the carriage and he was shouting out let me out let me out I want out he wasn't talking about the train he was he sort of and he walked through and he gave every one of us like this little written like scroll of paper really tiny and I looked at it and it was basically this guy was thinking he was in some Truman Show style reality where everyone was watching him and he was basically being consumed for entertainment and he'd seen through it and he wanted to be let out of it and that was the reality that his mind was trapped in you know, it, it's a terrible thing, and the getting even a hint of that through medication is incredibly scary. It's you know, it it, it really is freaky and disturbing. So that is one of the issues with with mental health is that even finding proper treatment can be such a battle not, not only in terms of finding practitioners that 
you're comfortable with and have an understanding, but then finding just the right prescription as required, and then also sort of building from there with steps that help maintain a healthy mental state. You know, hopefully the pharmaceutical intervention can help with sleep because that's one of the biggest struggles is with depression or anxiety or mania is having really messed up sleep, a lack of sleep over, you know, too much sleep at the wrong time, all this sort of sort of stuff and part of getting healthy is being able to get on get on track with that and then sort of building up healthy things like just regular self care like a regular breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know sort of eating basic healthy food And simply, you know, as simple as going for go for a walk, getting out in the sunlight, you know, all great and healthy things, but just such a battle. And building the techniques in conjunction often with counseling and psychologists of healthy self-talk of being able to basically have a conception and understanding of what you're going through and battling that works for you, whatever it may be. I mean, you know, it. It may, yeah, it may be that you know, it's this, uh, it's this monster, but you're going to keep it locked in a cave and that's it your job is to do the things to maintain the locks every day and that's your that's your job you know and the uh the taking of the medication and the healthy you know the the normal sort of care for yourself and hygiene and healthy eating and exercise are all part of, you know, that's all making, checking the locks and turning the locks and making sure they're all, the chains are bolted, everything like that. Maybe that example works for someone and then for someone else it's like, no, no, don't like that. It doesn't, doesn't grab me. So it's something else and, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. You know, they're, simply being able to identify that that monster is there that depression and it's going to want to be heard and just going I'm not looking at you I'm looking the other way I'm looking the other way I don't care what you say I'm not paying you attention I'm not paying you no mind I'm doing the things that I know to be healthy even though they don't feel healthy, I know that getting up, having breakfast, going to work, going through the day, that's all building 
healthy practice and habit. You know, and part, part of the thing is that, you know, getting yourself into a state, because one of the things I do think is, you know, 80% of life is showing up. You know, 80% of the credit you get is just the turning up where, where you're meant to be, when you're meant to be there, you know. And if you can get in a state to do that, even if it's just going through the motions, you build momentum and positivity incrementally, sometimes only in small, small ways, but over time that does build up into a general place of positivity but then you still do have to be tremendously vigilant with your your mental state and the bounds and the range and know when things are heading to a negative place and it may be as simple as that's some real negative tendencies when I get home from work this afternoon, I'm going for a walk and I'm going to have some positive self-talk, whatever that may look like for you. And I think the other thing is that even if it is a chronic diagnosis where it's just the way things are, between the combination of medication, counselling and sort of self-care, there, you know, there's tremendous potential to still have still have a life with happiness and joy and okay there's this cloud of darkness that looms in the uh, in the background and you always have to have your umbrella in case of rain so to speak you have to be ready to deal with deal with storms that just come on But at the same time, you have the ability to develop a resilience and an arsenal of tools that mean that you're not at the dictate of your mental state and of your feelings, that you actually, regardless of what your mind's telling you, are actually able to exercise some agency and some control and that is given the hopelessness and helplessness that you can feel going through depression or mania or paranoid states that is a tremendous outcome that is just oh that's absolutely incredible and that's a blessing and there's much cause for thanks and for optimism even in that place.
Thank you.